Today I'll be reading Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. In the Pew Bible, that is page 165. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Again, that is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. They're working on it up there. But I'm glad that you're here and uh, glad that of all the places you could be, you could be here today. We are uh, greatly blessed to uh, have a congregation that loves our, our church camp and know that many will be going there and thankful for what will be happening there. Thankful for those who will hear a message from, from your word all week long. Uh, many times we've looked and, and if, if a, one of our young people goes to Bible camp, if you take all their Bible classes and all of their uh, uh, time spent in devotionals, and you add all that together, it ends up being the same amount of hours it would be like six months worth of coming three times a week to worship. It's a great week of, uh, that is focused on God, and I'm so thankful that our church family does that, and we pray for that. Also remember that tonight we will uh, begin at 5 o'clock instead of 6. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We're thankful for your love and your kindness for us. We're thankful for you being close to us. God, you could be so far, far away, but you chose to send your Son to live here on this earth. You so chose to send your Spirit. God, you chose to approach us and to be in our presence so that we can one day spend eternity in yours. Lord, help us this week to focus on your presence in our lives. As we know, as it's been said, many are hurting this week. We pray that you will bless them. In Christ we pray. Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. is it? Is it well with your soul? 
As we come together today and I think about our, our congregation, I know that, that there are those who have lost loved ones this week, and, and our congregation, uh, being the signs we are, this happens just about every week. Somebody connected with our church family here passes away probably just about every week when we think about our extended family. And this week, we've lost someone who's a part of this church family. If you were to ask me one of the things I love about this, this, this congregation, one thing I love is our devotion to prayer. That we are a congregation that, that prays often, that, that, that prays uh, with sincerity, that prays knowing the power of God, knowing that God listens and answers those prayers. Knowing that every Sunday night when we come together, there's a very long prayer list, and one of our shepherds will get up, and they will pray, and they will mention every name. They won't skip over any. They won't uh, bunch everybody up into one category. They go through and list every single name, knowing that one day a week that several of our elders and ministers meet together, and we go through and we pray again. For those that we know of that are, that are hurting, that are searching, that are struggling in sin, and, and see that, I know that this church family takes those lists home from here. And you spend time in prayer and you devote yourself to prayer. Many times we pray for those, again, who are going through a crisis, those who we know are struggling uh, with sin in some form of their life, but many times it's those going through some kind of illness. What's interesting is so many times the ones we pray for, at some point in time, we go from seeing their name in our prayer list to being in an obituary. And that's not easy, is it? It's not easy to, to pray for someone and pray that they get better. We always want to pray uh, that God's will be done, to pray for them, but to see that happen, that is a a struggle for us, and, and many times when that happens, it is something that is truly heartbreaking. It is truly heartbreaking, and, and it can lead to, at times, not saying it always does, but it can lead to disappointment with God. If you ask people why many times they may give up on their faith or give up on God, it will do with unanswered prayers. It will have to do with something they have prayed for over and over and over again, whether it be for them, somebody they love, somebody they care for, and that prayer is not answered the way that they believe that it should be. And when we're disappointed with God, many things can happen. There, there are those who uh, really just have a deep sadness and, and frustration and have a time of discouragement when they're disappointed with God and, and are trying to figure out what's going on also. There are those that, because of their disappointment with God and struggle with God, they, they may turn to alcohol, may turn to drugs during this struggle. There are others who have a life that is filled with bitterness and resentment. When God doesn't do what they think He should do, and there are others who, who really choose to walk away from God, or in this case, run away from God. When God doesn't show up, when God doesn't act in the way we think God should. This morning, I want us to open up God's Word. If you will, open your Bibles to John chapter 11. I love their scripture reading this morning. Uh, they are not connected in one sense, but in one sense they are. Uh, if we'd grown up during the uh, Old Testament times, we would have said that every day. 
But this week we had a little change in lessons. I still believe to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength is always, always important. Let's look at John chapter 11. I believe when we look at this, we're going to see a group of people that deal with doubt, that deal with discouragement, that deal with death. And I think there's something here that can, that can be a great blessing to us as we think about how do we stay close with God when we are struggling. Beginning of verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of, of Mary and Martha, uh, uh, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped her feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Here we read about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Can I tell you, they're good friends with Jesus. If we were going to do a setting, we would say in this house of Bethany, a house where Jesus has spent time. He has been in this home before. This is a group of people that he is friends with. And what happens? It says that, that Lazarus is ill. Let's look here in verse 3. It says, So the sisters sent to him, that's Jesus, saying, Lord, him who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, this illness does not lead to death. He said this illness does not lead to death. It does what? It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What do we do when there's an emergency? We, we call 911. That's what we're taught to do. If there's an emergency, if somebody's breaking in our house, if someone's having a medical episode, whatever it is, what do we do? We are told to call 911. That is what has been instilled in us to do in times of emergency. What do, what do Mary and Martha do when their brother is sick? They do something better. They call on the Son of God. It's their immediate thing, and we're going to call on God. We are going to send word to Him, and we're going to let Him know that Lazarus, his friend, whom he loves, is sick. Verse 5 says this, it reiterates, it says, Now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Mary, Martha loved all three of them, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I'm having, problem, I'm having problems this morning reading and memory. I'm just going to preach if that's all right. It says he loved them. If the Bible says he loved them, guess what? He loved them. They wrote a note and said, the one whom you love is ill. Then John the writer wants us to know that there is a close relationship here. And the word he uses is the, the big word for love. It's agape. Now, sometimes we uh, have to be careful here. Sometimes we try to make too big a difference of the word like phileo and agape. Listen, there's that much difference because they're both strong words for love. When they said, hey, uh, Jesus, the one whom you love like a brother is ill, and then, then here's what comes back. The writer says this is how he loves them, with a sacrificial love. This is a close family-type relationship that he has with them. Let's drop to verse 11. It says, after saying these things, he said to them, this is our, his disciples, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. What you're going to realize as you read the New Testament, especially the gospel, is the disciples were confused a lot. They didn't understand what he was saying. He said, you know, Lazarus, our friend, he's asleep. I need to go wake him up. They're like, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. We're really going to travel this 
this long travel to go wake somebody up? Doesn't he have sisters to wake him up? If this is a problem, will he not wake up? And he has to explain to them and get very straight. He says this, verse 14. He said, then he told him plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Again, what's he talking about? The word Jesus wept is later in this. I think you could put Jesus wept in a whole lot of times in Scripture. Why? Because I think sometimes he just, when he realized how misunderstood they were, I could just see his frustration. He says this, and they go in. When they go to Bethany, it says, Now when Jesus came near, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles up, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary concerning concerning their brother. He says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Two big statements of faith right here. The one seems a little accusatory, doesn't it? Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Which is what? True. Absolutely true. They know Jesus has healed people. They know he's healed people. They knew that he had that power. That is why they called on him. Lord, if you had been here, we would not have had to have a funeral. We would not have to wrap him in burial clothes and put spices. We would not have to do all these things. We would not have to have a tomb. None of these things would have happened if you had been here. And she goes on to make a great statement of faith. And we know that whatever you ask from God, he'll give you. Can you imagine the hurt in Mary and Martha when Jesus doesn't show up? Can you imagine that hurt when when he doesn't show up? They have had them in their home. They have fed him. They have taken care of him, but what? He doesn't come. Jesus says back to her, your your brother will, will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Can I tell you, Martha has been paying attention during Bible class. Martha gets it. She knows that what Jesus is teaching is that, that our death is not final, that we will rise again on that last day. She knows that has been taught, and guess what? She still holds on to her faith. She knows that if Jesus had been there, her brother wouldn't have died, but he says you'll see him again. She goes, I know he will. On that last day, what a great statement. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. What another great statement of faith. Even though she's hurting, even though she's disappointed with God. She's disappointed with Jesus for not being there. She knows if he'd been there, 
She still has her faith in Jesus. Even though this is going on, she still believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah that has come into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and she went to him. Verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she did what? Did she yell at him? Did she go show great anger and frustration that he wasn't there? Instead of going out to see him, did she say, I really don't ever want to see you again because you disappointed us. We, we have shown you love. We've shown you faith. When, when even your own family has said you're crazy, we have stayed with you. It's amazing. She didn't go out and say, hey, what took you so long? I know where you were when you got the message. I know when you got the message. What took you so long to get here? She didn't say, couldn't you have made it? Couldn't you have made it before our brother died so we would not have to go through all this that we've gone through over the, the past couple of days? Do you not love us? I said in the, in the note we, we, we sent you, we said, you know, the, the, the one whom you love, Lazarus, we know that you love him, at least we thought you loved him. This is your fault. Why did you let this happen? We don't see that. We don't see that, but what we do see is when Mary came to where Jesus was, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's heartbroken. She believes in who he is, and she believes had he been there, that things would have gone differently. She falls at his feet, I believe, in grief, and also he is the, the son of God. She falls at his feet, and she lets him know what it is she's, she's dealing with. Look how Jesus responds. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come uh, with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Everybody's thinking the same thing. Everybody's thinking the same thing. If he had just shown up, if he had just been here, I thought he loved them. I thought he was friends with them. Had he had just been here, he wouldn't have died. But we also see his emotion. These two words to me are, are shortest verse in the Bible. As some say, rejoice always is, is also very short. I sit there and look at, at this and see the humanity and see the compassion and the love of Christ. But he didn't just cry. It wasn't over there. And in verse 38 it says, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister uh, of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by now there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, if you believed, you would also see the glory of God. 
I used to love reading this in the KJV. Remember what it says? He stinketh. Okay, I always told my brother, he stinketh too. I mean, I think it was fitting. But she, I love how, she's what? She's mispractical. Mispractical. Martha, the one that wanted to keep cleaning and serving and stuff when Jesus was in the house, of course she's going to want be the one that says, hey, he's been dead in there four days. There's going to be an odor. We really don't want to do this. Isn't it amazing that her faith sort of stopped? She has said, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. I know anything you ask of the Father, he'll do. I know he'll raise in the last day. He goes to the tomb, says, says roll it back. says, no, Lord, we, we don't want to do that. And he reminds her that you will see the glory of God. So then they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out and his hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Why do you think Jesus had to tell them that? I think they were like these kids. They were in awe. In awe. can't believe what they've seen. That shock of, of seeing this man who they knew have died, many of them, I'm going to guess, were there when the stone was put in front of the grave, have now seen his, his body come forth. And he says, hey, go, go loosen these, these, this wrap that's around him so that he can, can, can move around. He is alive. We go back and we see this, this power when he says they took the stone away. When he says, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus comes out. See, through this, we see again that Jesus is the Son of God. I love what Brother Keeble said. Brother Keeble said there's a reason he said Lazarus come out because if he just said come forth, all the dead people would have rose. He said he's specific. He got the one who he, who he wanted to, to come out. And he says, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus has done. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. This is a totally different lesson. We'll deal with this a different time. Isn't it amazing that they see the true glory of God? They see a man raise people from the dead, and their first thought is, we need to kill him. But others believe that he was what? The Son of God come into the world. This morning, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this when it comes to our doubt with our disappointment, our, uh, our, our faith when it comes to, to dealing with death and dealing with sickness? What is some things that we can learn from Jesus and Mary, Martha, and Lazarus right here? I think first of all, Suffering and death happens to good people that Jesus loves. Scripture tells us twice that he loves them, but that did not insulate them from harm, from hurt, and from death. There are some who try to sell a version of Christianity that says, if you will follow Christ, then everything in your life will be great from now on. You'll be financially blessed. You're, you'll, you'll be healed. I, I saw somebody selling some miracle water the other day. 
don't know if you, you've seen that. I'm not talking about smart water. You can get it at the store. I'm talking about you. If you'll send this one guy some money, he'll send you this water, and after that, miracles will happen in your life because that's what God wants to happen. There's more non-believers created from that than there are believers. Suffering and death happens to good people that Jesus loves. You need to realize it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The Scripture says this. Nobody was loved more on this world than Jesus was by his Father. Guess what? He died too. How much did Jesus love them? With the strongest word we have in the whole Bible for love. As long as we are on earth, we will have people in the hospital. We'll have people pass away. It's going to be part of being here. It began when sin came into the world back in the book of Genesis. And we'll continue till the Lord returns. And, and know that just because something bad has happened in your life, just because you've lost someone that you love, or somebody's been diagnosed with an illness, that does not mean that Jesus does not love you. There are some people I've met that automatically say, well, I must be doing something wrong. Know that good things, bad things happen to those who we see as those who Jesus loves. I think secondly, I said, I think that we learn that people need love and compassion when they are hurting. People truly need love and compassion when they are hurting. One of the groups I think that gets overlooked when we read this passage is here in, in, in verse 19. It says, And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console the, them concerning their brother. Their friends showed up. When they were going through something and loss of a brother, their friends showed up and they did what? They sat with them. They cared for them. They showed them how much they loved them. And I think that is something that, that makes a, a big difference. And we must see, I think, the need we have to be those compassionate, loving people when people are struggling. What can we do for one another? A lot. Sometimes the things people need is a text just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you. Sometimes they need you just to sit there and not say a word, just to be there. Sometimes they need you to mow a yard or wash some dishes. Sometimes you never know. There was one man that I, I heard of in a town. A friend of mine who's a preacher told me about him. said, whenever there's a death in that congregation, he goes and asks the family for the keys to their vehicle, and he goes and washes and details their cars. He said that way as they're going out to the the gravesite, their car will be clean. They don't have to worry about that. Just take something off their plate. He finds a way to serve, and, and I know many of you find a way to serve through casseroles, through desserts, through, through kindness and all these ways. And what we see is there is a need to console one another and to show one another love and to make sure we surround one another when they're hurting. I think something else we see here that to me is one of the most powerful lessons here is Jesus can handle your hurts and disappointments in Him. So take your hurts to Him. Jesus can handle your frustrations with Him. He is big enough. 
he can handle them saying, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Guys, that's a statement of faith and a statement of doubt and frustration all wrapped into one. He can handle your hurts. He can handle your frustrations. He can handle the, God, I don't know why you allowed this to happen. God, I don't know. God, I'm mad. God, I'm frustrated. He is big enough to handle it. Both the sisters said the same thing, and, and, and here's what we see. So many times when people are frustrated at God, instead of talking to God, they run away from God. They pack their bags. They say, I'm out. We learn from these two sisters that they both came and said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Both sisters said that, and Mary went to him and fell at his feet. When we, if we were to go back and read this, you would see that both sisters went to meet Jesus. Jesus never made it in the house. Martha called him outside, and, and, and then what? She sent for Mary, and Mary came and called him outside. And what happened? She fell at his feet. God can handle your questions, and God can handle your doubts. The key is that we take it to him. And I love how, how doubt and frustration and faith in one statement, if you had been here, would have been born, and I believe you, the, uh, uh, he would not have died. I believe you're the Son of God. It's very similar to another story. Lord, I believe, help my what? Help my unbelief. I'm struggling here. I love that Jesus hurts when those he loves hurt. Jesus hurts when those he loves hurt. We, we see this, verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. There's been thousands and thousands of pages written about these two words. And I have seen people try to say, well, he didn't weep because of his friend has died because he knew he was about to raise him from the dead. He, he, he wept because of their unbelief, and he wept because of what's going to happen. It tells us. He saw his friends crying, and he started to do what? Cry. Do you know crying's contagious? Crying is contagious. Can I tell you who's made me cry my whole life? My dad, for different reasons. As a child, it was from punishment. I believe we called them whoopings. As an adult, I'm going to tell you, if I see my dad break down, I'm done. There's something about seeing somebody you love who is touched emotionally, and what does it do? It does the same for you. Jesus hurt along with his friends. How good is it to know that we do not have a, a God who is so far away from us he can't be touched. Hebrews deals with that. But he's so close to us. He hurts when we hurt. He knows when our hearts are broken. And that's why we read what he is close to the who, the brokenhearted. God aligns himself with the brokenhearted, and we should know today that those of us who are hurting, God is right there. Jesus hurts alongside us. Those two verses, those two words in that verse are, are, are so incredibly powerful to know that Jesus wept. 
Yes, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yes, there are going to be those who believe because of that. But he also knows the, the suffering and grief and, and struggle his friends have gone through over the past few days. He still wept, and he wept in their presence. He wept. When I read this, I see, realize that we can know that Jesus has something greater. When we read this, we, we see that there is something greater than, than this life. And, and we see that so Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection of the and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. There's something greater than here. There is something greater than here. And, and one day we will all be resurrected. There is something greater. There is a place, even though we go through struggle and sorrow and hurt here, there is a place where there are no tears, where there is no sickness, where there are no hospitals, where there is no hospice care, where there is no 911. There's none of that needed because it is a place where Jesus is and Jesus wipes the tear from every eye and it is a place where we can be. There is somewhere greater and we see that here. The promise that he made to them about something greater is also our promise. It's a promise that, that, that we can live on and rely on to say that I'm, if you believe in me, you shall, oh, he die, you will live. There are still some that would ask, why do you let him die? He says at the beginning that, that he finds out. Now, Jesus did not have to be in their presence to heal him. We've seen him heal people from a distance before. And he tells his disciples, we're going to go and realize that, that it didn't take him as long as it took him to get there. That he sort of stalled, if you will. So that Lazarus would pass away so that he could raise him from the dead. And that's a very tough verse and a tough thing to deal with. But the reason why is this. They didn't need to see a healing. The people there needed to see a resurrection. His disciples have seen healings, have they not? Day after day after day, Jesus goes around doing good. He heals this person, this person, this person. They have seen people healed. They needed to see a resurrection. They needed their faith to grow that know that Jesus is not only greater than things in this life, he's greater than the next. He is able to be over the power of life and death. This morning, I hope as we've looked, what you come away with is what a mighty loving Savior we have. He's compassionate. He's powerful. He loves. He cares. And he comforts. And we have a promise. Today, I know, again, that we have those who are hurting here for a variety of reasons. Know that Jesus is with you, and Jesus hurts with you. And if we know what is going on, we want to surround you, and we want to offer comfort as we can. Also know that that promise of a, a resurrection to be with Him in heaven forever is a promise made to His children. And today's a day, if you're not His child, I want you to make that decision and come to Him. Choosing to make the same statement that Martha did, that he, I believe that you are the Son of God, come into this world, that we would make that same statement, and that we would choose to be baptized for mission of our CS. Today is a day to make that decision. Or today you may say, hey, I just want you to pray with me and for me. I'm struggling. 
I need you to circle me and pray with me. And we would love to do that.